Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. Really great episode for you today with a wonderful guest, lifestyle traveler and adventurer, Todd Parfit joins the show. Todd is an avid outdoor explorer, constantly looking for new locations in nature. He's traveled to many amazing locations around the world, recently conquering a volcano in Mexico, and in 2021, he summited Mount Kilimanjaro. Todd and I clicked right away. Before we even started with the official question, we had already talked for about an hour about traveling and how he feels his life has benefited from his explorations. On today's conversation, Todd chats about what he's learned about himself through travel and now stepping out of his comfort zone has allowed him to open his eyes to new experiences in more ways than one. Todd also discusses his unique planning when it comes to selecting a location to visit. It's equal parts daydreaming, but also meticulously detailed, but it produces some unforgettable results when it comes to choosing his next location. And lastly, Todd discusses what it was like being on Kilimanjaro. He takes us through the experience as a whole and what it was like on Summit Day. Like I said, Todd and I clicked right away. We have the same wavelength of someone who just has a goal of seeing as much as he can. I admire his ethos and philosophy for life, and I think you will too. So let's go ahead and bring on traveler, explorer, outdoorsman, Todd Parfit, and let's learn. You're just an avid explorer. You love the outdoors. When was it that you first started this? And, and what was it that inspired you to initially get out there and, and check out the world? So it started years ago when I was back in South Carolina working my job and my manager said, hey, we've got another sister site, manufacturing site that is having some problems and they could use some people from our site to go and help them out. So I thought about it for a bit and I said, okay, let's do it. It's in Cleveland, Ohio. And I still remember the, that very moment of flying in. It was my first time, oh, hundreds at least miles away from knowing anybody. And I'm on the left window seat. The plane is in descent to at nighttime about 8 p.m. in descent down to Cleveland. It's cloudy, but we break through the clouds. And here's downtown Cleveland, mm -hmm. and that one flight that came in like this and circled around like this would be on the left window seat. And once we broke through the clouds and I saw that, I thought, oh, God, what did I get myself into? I'm hundreds of miles knowing where anybody is and stuff. And I was there for three months, and I learned so much about myself. I learned that when I go out of my comfort zone, I, I stretch myself. I go out and meet people. I'm... I'm just so much more social and extroverted, and I never would have known that if I hadn't done that. And then that's what opened that up, but there's kind of four phases to it. Mm -hmm. The second was a few years later when I had another manager that said, hey, we've got some technical issues at some customer sites. We could use your help with going there. Okay, great. I'm cool with that, especially since the first one was Italy. <laughs> Twist my arm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wow that was the first time out of the country first time in a country not of them not speaking english mm -hmm. and 
younger Italians are good at English, but I was yeah. There was around quite a number of older Italians, so um, it wasn't hard to get around, but it was not as easy as I thought it would have been to get around only knowing English. Yeah. A point though is that opened up my eyes to how vast the world really is, mm-hmm. and I said I want more of this. And then I went on some more trips like that with work. And then the trips at work died off. We got our issues taken care of. And then in 2018, a couple of friends of mine invited me to go along with them to the Philippines. Me and my friend, Josh, living here in Jacksonville, we flew over to the Philippines and met up with our friend Mike over there. Mike is from the U.S., right here in Florida, but he was living over there for a while. So we went over to go visit him on the tail end of his venture living in the Philippines. My point, though, is when we got over there, it, we did all this island bouncing, and that's where we got scuba certified. I wasn't even planning on getting scuba certified. We were staying at a hostel by the water, and I think there's some people doing this whole volunteerism stuff there mm-hmm. where they were volunteering at the at the hostel. And one guy, he's got his own scuba gear, and he's got some extra scuba gear stuff with him. And whenever somebody stays there, they if they show any interest in wanting to scuba dive, he lets them do a tri-dive. Mm. Tri-dive is where you get to try it out. And you don't have to pay all this money for getting certified all this time and effort. And the Philippines is a high-end third world country. So we're not starting out in a swimming pool like most people do in the U.S. We went straight into the ocean. And to see that clear water, the colorful coral reefs, the colorful fish, wow. Yeah. And after that whole Philippines trip, that's when my eyes were opened up to, I need to accelerate. Well, not to, I need to really get on the ball with traveling each year. Don't don't just wait every few years to travel somewhere. And so after that, I would travel uh, internationally to a few places in 2019. And then 2020 hit. That's the fourth phase of this. So Cleveland, Italy, and then Philippines. And now 2020 is what accelerated everything. So if you were to ask me a question, what did you learn from 2020? And this one question kept popping in my head as we were all in a lockdown. I had time to think. That question was, if you were on your deathbed right now, you're not getting up, you've lived whatever life you've lived, what would you look back on and wish you had done? I'm not saying what you wish you had done differently as in regrets, Mm -hmm. but what did you never give a try, but you wish you did give it a shot? It's, I think it's a good question for all of us, yeah. no matter what age or anything, where we are in life. I think it's a great question for us to ask ourselves periodically. It keeps us on track with living a full life. For me, there was a few different answers. One was dance like nobody's looking. I've always had this self-conscious fear of, of going out and dancing because I suck at dancing. <laughs> so I just go to a few weddings and make sure I drink plenty of alcohol. There Problem we go. Solved. Got it. But the other ones were one is go full speed with traveling. Mm-hmm. And the other is experience living in a different country. That would be really cool to do. So those are mine. Yeah. So in summary, that was the, that was the story to it all is Cleveland woke me up to get out of my comfort zone. Italy opened up my eyes to how big the world is. The Philippines said, don't wait every few years to travel, travel, net, travel every year. And then 2020 said, you only have one life. Go out and do it. So many things about that I love, but there was one simple sentence. There was three words that you said that really, for me, were the most powerful. And it was, you said, 
I want more <laughs> because I've had that same feeling. I remember the first trip I took, there's a lot of anxiety behind it. Is this going to be great? But the second the wheels touch back down in the United States, it's like, okay, where to next? What are we doing next? You know, and that's just how it is. It becomes an addiction, it becomes a lifestyle. One thing I love though, is you told me earlier about this very unique way of how you choose the locations you want to go to. I think this is a very smart intellectual approach that you do and as you're looking for ideas. Whenever someone recommends they've traveled somewhere and I should go there too, on Instagram or Facebook, I follow these accounts that are travel this, adventure that. Once I see those locations and I really want to go there, I just go to Google Maps. You can long press on whatever location and you can drop a green pin drop labeled as want to go to. And once I get a clump of those green pin drops in one place, that's where I know to go to next. I've got green pin drops all over the world. Mm -hmm. But for example, Iceland is my number one country that I want to visit. And Iceland has more pin drops in one dense area than anywhere else in the world. So it coincides. And so that's how I know where to go to next. What I'm trying to do more methodically now is because there's becoming more and more places that my brain is having a hard time keeping it up with is I created a Google Sheet recently where I'll have different tabs. So one tab says Iceland. It's not just go to Iceland whenever, it's certain times of the year I wanna mm -hmm. go because I wanna see the Northern Lights mm -hmm. and as an example. And then there's other places like Lake Tahoe. I'd like to go there more like somewhere during the summer time frame. I don't wanna go there in the winter time frame. And so I put on there what time frames I wanna go and also in each tab I put what kind of things do I wanna do there. Like hike particularly this or go scuba dive that. And that's how I've come up with where to go to next. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And you're going to have to remind me when the Iceland is. We'll go up and see my buddy Ants, who's on the show. We'll go and scuba dive with him and still for us. We'll make it happen. So keep me in mind when Iceland happens. You did something recently that just blew me mind. Like one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing next, and that was, that was Kilimanjaro. So when did you first start planning the idea? So it all started out with this guy named Dr. No. Sounds like something out of Dr. Yeah. Strange, right? Yeah. So NGO, no. Well, this guy, he's, he loves traveling and he's, he's a doctor, so he's a medical doctor. And he works with several other friends of mine, like Brooke mm -hmm. and this other girl, Jess, that, oh, so it's them and several other people in the medical profession. They were all, they all know each other, work with each other, and they were talking about doing this last year. And then 2020 broke off and then that never happened and they stopped talking about it. Well, it came back up in early 2021. They started talking about it. They just started becoming a reality. And then Jess, one of those girls working with him, invited me to go along with him. At first, I was like, well, it's not on my top 10 list, but I want to do it. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I understand that, yeah. To <laughs> travel with like eight-ish people, it ended up being eight people. There's a little more story between those two points. But to travel with a group of people all in the medical profession, one's a physical therapist, several nurses, another's a doctor, to travel to Africa like that, I can't pass on this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Let's go. We all put our $350 deposit down. And then a few weeks later, Dr. Doe, who was originally organizing all this, he ended up having to back out for family reasons. And so the rest of us said, well, we already paid our deposit. Let's go. Let's still go. <laughs> And then we got in touch with uh, Tiffany. Actually, she reached, it was someone that Dr. Doe was already talking with, mm -hmm. with asking a bunch of questions. Once we paid our $350 deposit, they sent us 
this little booklet here. This is with, and this was with Klein Killy. Yep. Yep. Klein Killy on it. And this booklet is gold. Mm. It tells you how to prepare, what to prepare for, what kind of things to pack, what kind of food they'll have for you. And let me tell you, I ate better on that mountain that I usually do at home. You live it by myself, cooking eggs and every now and then cooking some chicken. <laughs> uh, they know what nutrients they need, that you need for hiking that mountain to be able to handle the altitude and everything. So they're fetching the water from the local streams, filtering it, boiling it, cooking food for you. You don't really need to take snacks with you. Maybe one snack bar for each day hike, like halfway through the hike. But other than that, you're not going to need snacks. They they pump you with so much food. So then tell me about the, the actual mountain. And also, would you talk about how challenging it was compared to what you thought it was going to be? So I did a bunch of hiking beforehand, mm-hmm. like going out to Utah, going out to Washington and Oregon and doing some hikes out there. And I play ultimate frisbee. So physically, I was pretty well ready for it already. Uh, I went out to Washington and Oregon to do that hiking about two months beforehand, just to help extra prepare my body for vertical hiking. Cause living in Florida, yeah. you don't get much of that. The night before this guy Hermit, the group leader, him and his other guys, there's four of them. They came to the hotel we were staying at and they made sure that we had all the gear that we we're going to need. There weren't clothing for summer night, proper boots. And they have stuff that you can rent. Mm-hmm. I found it a lot easier to rent the two biggest things there, the sleeping bag and the hiking poles. So they pick us up the next morning, that first morning there at the hotel. They weigh our bags to make sure they're not having the porters carrying too much weight. I think it was a 35-pound weight limit. And we get on the bus. That's when the nerves start to kind of go from chaos to, okay, we're on this. All I do is go along for the ride now. We get up to the, it's about an hour's drive, and then we get up to the base of the mountain. It's, the whole thing is a national park. And we're at the base, they're having to do all this organizing, which border is carrying what, and once we start hiking, we go through this gate, and I was like, oh yeah, here we go, here we go. Once you go through that gate, and then I'm in this rainforest, Mm. from there I'm like, ah, it all just kind of settles down, all the anxiety. Here we are. Just go along for the ride. This is going to be fun. It was great walking through the the rainforest. We were able to wear shorts and t-shirt this day. This is the best time of the year to go was when we went. That first day was mostly in the rainforest. We get up to the first campsite. And that's when the views really start to sink in. You can see the mountain summit in the distance. All the strawberry terrain looks really cool over there. We go in for dinner. And we're all having a great conversation, talking with the locals. And then we come out of the tent. It was daylight before. We got nighttime real quick. We came out of the tent. It was pitch black dark. The moon was barely anything on the horizon. And we look up at the sky. I've been to the Grand Canyon before. And this was even better. The sky littered with stars. You can clearly see the Milky Way. I just want to lay in a pile of dirt and just stare up at the sky. <laughs> that was that first day. 
that's what I've heard is just about being out in the stars is one of the most amazing things that you're going to see. And it's unforgettable. How about, how about summit day? How about summit morning? Cause I know you take off early. I know there's a lot of anxiety and excitement. So what was that like? So we woke up at 11 PM that night mm. and we got some breakfast. When I got all ready, we did not have packer bags or anything. We just loaded up. So we started up at midnight and we all had headlamps on. Can't really see the trail except for just following your guides. As we're going up, it's a steep incline up. You look up, you can see others ahead of you that left earlier. You can see the row of their headlamps. You look way down, you can see other people starting to go up that trail. Further along, we were able to see in the midst of the pitch black dark, we could see Kenya on the other side. That was really cool just to see a town of lights and the guys were like, yeah, that's Kenya over there. <laughs> we're going up and the altitude can really start to catch people at this point because you're between 16,000 feet and 19,341. I'd already had a few things from altitude sickness in the days prior, which the day prior really, but during this whole thing, they help you acclimatize to the altitude. So as I'm going up, I'm getting a headache. Most people do get a headache, so it's normal. But what's weird is the headache would be in the back of my head mm -hmm. and it would move around. At one moment, the headache comes on the back left. Another moment, it's on the back right. It feels almost like a gremlin in my head. <laughs> uh, what I've learned before, from the day before, when I did get some altitude sickness, is if I got a headache on, my, on the front part of my head, and then it propagates backwards, that's when I get nauseated, and then mm -hmm. nausea is the tough part to work with. But okay. I think getting any nausea on summer night, it's a great, just a headache. It's pretty cold, all right. One of the girls that was with my group, her water tube from her water bladder it froze pretty quick mm. you're actually supposed to blow the water back into your bladder after you drink it so it won't freeze on the tube there because it doesn't take long for it to freeze we end up splitting our group in half because some want to go faster and people like me that already felt some of the altitude sickness before wanted to go a little bit slower to ensure that i get to the summit because nobody asks how fast you got up there they just ask did you make it to the top and right. did you have a great time yeah so me and one other, with one, a couple other guys, we had held back, went a little slower than the rest. And while we're going up, we'll still take breaks like everybody does. And these guys, they whip out full thermos, thermos cam, um, a thermos, and has a bunch of tea in it. And they just whip out some cups and pour in your tea in the middle of hiking up this tall mountain. And what was weird, too, is whenever we would take breaks, when I would sit down, I would feel so sleepy. Mm. And I never really felt like this before. It was weird. I wanted to just lay back and just take a nap. But the guides were like, no, 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 no. Don't go to sleep. But we press on through. We get on. We get higher and higher. And when we got to around 18,500-ish, I didn't have any headache anymore. Everything cleared out which is really strange. And then once you get up to this, shortly before we got a stellar point, that's the part where you're going steep up and then it starts to plateau out. You're still going uphill, but it's not near as deep as it was. Well, the sun was rising when we were there. A lot of people watch the sunrise from the very summit of Kilimanjaro. I actually like this better off in hindsight because we got an epic view of the sunrise we looked at our pictures compared to our other friends pictures that went on ahead of us that wanted to go faster and you could to see these curvy rolling clouds from the top of the clouds 
we're used to seeing clouds from the bottom, but we'll be able to see it from the top and the sunrise coming up, the mountain peaks all around you. It was an epic view. And then we keep on going up. We reach this point called Stella Point. That's where a long time ago, someone thought, everybody thought that that was the tallest point on the mountain until the glaciers started melting. Then they realized, oh, this isn't the tallest point. Over there, another 300-ish um, feet up in the air is the tallest point. But once you get over to that Stella Point, that's when all this wind just starts wow. hammering at you because you're no longer on that far side of the mountain. You're up at that peakish area. And it was about 40 plus mile an hour wind. Um, so that makes it a whole lot colder. And then we go on forward. We continue on up to the very summit. And something about getting that summit, because I've seen pictures of the summit, but I only see the pictures of the sign up at the summit. So I didn't really know what to expect. I get up there, and the first thing I do is I just lay my hand on that sign. <laughs> it was something glorious about it. Everybody tends to break down in tears because you've gone through all this work to get up to the top. You woke up at midnight. You're hiking up about 3,000, a little over 3,000 feet in the dark, in the steep. It's all dusty around, but it's a great trip. Yeah. Don't let that think that it's miserable or anything. No, it's, it's an adventure. Yeah. Adventures, you have to have element of danger. You have to have some kind of difficulty to it. That's what makes it great. Nobody celebrates over jumping over an anthill. We celebrate jumping over a big hurdle. Exactly. It's fantastic, and I, I admire you so much for completing it. And I hope, hopefully this is something I can accomplish soon, and we can definitely reminisce and share stories about it. Aside from Kilimanjaro, I know that you're being an avid outdoorsman as of late. What are some of the other locations that, when you think about the ones that just affected you the most emotionally, which are the ones that stand out? One of them is the Enchantments over in Washington. Okay. And it lives up to the name. Not many people on the East Coast that I've talked with have heard of it. It's a, it's through a bunch of alpine forest up in the mountains. You have these clear lakes up at the top, alpine trees all around, beautiful up there. But to get a permit to, to camp out there, I think the last number I saw was about 3% of people that applied for a permit got to get a permit to camp out in the core zone, the the area where you really want to be at, 8% of total people get a permit in general, but 3% get it where you really want it. So the next best thing is doing a through hike in one day. And that's 21 miles and 5,000 foot elevation gain. So going through all that, that really resonates in my memory about how those epic views are pushing through, through this kind of adventure, going through the Alpine area. That stands out a lot, Utah. So hiking the Narrows in Great. the Zion National Park. Very cool. That that place is magic. Yeah. That's one of the things that really sparked something in my heart. Something that's that really makes me want to go and venture to these outdoorsy places. Not just the Narrows, but there's so many other things in Utah. Southern Utah is amazing. Mm -hmm. So those are the two top things that really stand out to me is the the enchantments. And Utah, Southern Utah in general, really. To go along with that, those are the places that you enjoy the most and have left the strongest mark on you emotionally. Just in general, what has outdoors taught you about yourself? All your outdoor experiences, how have they improved and augmented your life? So first hitting on that scuba diving, and I was scuba diving in the Philippines. 
I'm saying this clear water, clear turquoise color water, colorful fish, colorful coral reefs. And then I see something kind of sparkling in the distance. I swim closer to it and it's an empty Cheetos bag. And that really hit me right there of how bad trash really is, how much people just litter the planet. That changed the way I've looked at things as far as litter and such. Anytime I'm walking now, if I see a trash bag or something flying across the parking lot, I pick it up. Yeah. As far as some other examples, like hiking Angel's Landing in Zion National Park, it's made me think about how life is an adventure. Like we're meant, life is an adventure to live and a battle to fight. Getting to the top of this hike here, get to the top of, top of Angel's Landing, that's a battle to fight, to get up there and to come back down. But it's adventures. And that says a lot about our hearts. Those of us that love this outdoorsy travel, we're wild at heart. And we love that. That's what a lot of that kind of hiking is taught. I think it's a fantastic answer and it's a great perspective and outlook on life. So you are the second person on the show to attend the amazing university, Clemson University in South Carolina. Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. For someone visiting Clemson, maybe, maybe more specifically in the fall on a Saturday, <laughs> what would be your recommendations? So, of course, on a fall on a Saturday, you're most likely going to have a home football game. Perfect. So the tailgating atmosphere is epic out there. You're going to get that with a lot of universities. Mm -hmm. But there's something different about about Clemson fans in general. It's more of a family atmosphere. So people are not out there being super rowdy and, like, cussing in your face if you're the away team fan, which I've gotten a lot of that going to away games. If you're there on a non-football game during the fall, especially, that Clemson is in the foothill of the mountains, of the Appalachian Mountains. And so there's some really great hikes out there. The waterfalls, too. You can go and play in the waterfalls. You can stand behind waterfalls. There's a lake right next to Clemson. And one of the things it's known for is having these rope swings that are randomly in different places on the lake. You can swing out over the lake. And keep in mind, it being in the foothill of the mountains, where the land meets the water, it's steep down. So you can rope swing off, whereas here in Florida, if you rope swing off, you're still going to land in two feet of water. <laughs> well, these rope swings are pretty high, and they're so high that people have gotten hurt on them, though. But don't let that deter you. Just go down <laughs> feet first. And then you have Greenville, South Carolina, that's just down the road from there, about 35 minutes down the road. And that has the best downtown city vibe I think I've ever experienced. It's pretty close to what Asheville is. Very cool. You've got a bunch of high-rise buildings. Everybody's all walking here. Really cool park where there's a river going through the city. Great places for a romantic date or if you're just hanging out with friends. All of that stuff. It's all right there in that one area. Love it. Love it. Top of my list, as far as domestic, I got to get to a game. This has been awesome. This has been so much fun. You can go ahead and shout out Instagram handle so people can give you a follow. And then what else is next? What do you else got coming up with plans or trips you have that you're daydreaming about for the future? Oh, there's so many places that I want to go to. So many green, green pin drops on that Google Maps. <laughs> you're going to have to post a picture of that, of the world map of all the pins that you got placed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But Iceland is number one that I want to go to. I'm looking at trying to go to time of year. There's plenty of nighttime, so I can try to see northern lights, but also enough daylight so I can see all the other stuff that Iceland has to offer. And the number one thing in Iceland is Silfra Fissure. That's a place where you can scuba dive in the clearest and cleanest water in the world because it's mm -hmm. filtered through lava rock. 
in between two continents as well. You got it. Touch both of them at the same timing. The yeah. only place in the world you can do it. That's number one, Switzerland and those mountain coasters. But the thing is, though, you got to keep in mind that those mountain coasters don't open until like mid-May. So you have to be strategic on where you plan out where you go to. Places like Havasut Falls out in Arizona. Yeah. That's the number one place I want, or a top 10 place I want to go to. But you have to get one of those difficult to get permits. Mm-hmm. So many places on my list of places I want to go to. I'm having to organize it all into a Google Sheets spreadsheet so I can categorize what's the top 10 rather than just chaotically going at one of these places that have a lot of pin drops. Just like Richard Branson said, if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity and you're not sure you can do it, just say yes, then go figure out how to do it later. Figure out how to do it later, yeah. Yeah, same thing applies for a job. Same thing applies for if you're wanting to go travel somewhere that maybe someone hasn't really traveled somewhere where you do a bunch of hiking. Maybe they haven't done a lot of hiking experience. Just say yes and then Google how to do it. It's exactly how you made it to the top of Kilimanjaro. You didn't know every step you were going to take, but you took that first step. Exactly. Where would you say your top places that you want to travel to? If, number one overall, if I go anywhere, it would be Antarctica. I, don't, I, I kind of would like to go down south after Kilimanjaro and go to Victoria Falls down in Zambia. I mean, yep. that's incredible. That's a good to drop. I daydream every single day about places to go to. What I want to do is Israel and then go over to Petra. Mm. Ride the camels into Petra, and then uh, circle back to Israel from there. It might be a while for that one, though. Yeah. This yeah, was fantastic, cool. my man. This was really cool. I'm glad we met. Like, I feel that uh, not only were you a great guest, but I feel that you and I have a lot in common, and we're going to stay in contact for a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely, Randall. Well, awesome, Randall. Hey, it's great talking with you, Randall. Great talking as well. I know we could chat for another hour. Yeah, awesome. All, All right. right. Thanks, Todd. Until next time, Randall. Bye. See Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Wasn't he fantastic? Give him a follow, the Todd Parfit on Instagram. Lots of amazing pictures from his travels, including Kilimanjaro and his most recent trip in Mexico. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.